Hey Coleraine, my name is Corey Foister, the Township's intern, and I'll be your host for Season 2. Each episode will talk to a Township official or someone from the community and learn about them and what they do to make Coleraine Township a great place to live and work. This week we'll talk to Jeff McElravey, who is the Finance Director at Coleraine Township. Hey Coleraine, I'm here with Jeff McElravey, and today we are going to talk about government finances. Uh, first, Jeff, tell me a little bit about yourself. Sure. So, um, let's see here. I joined the township uh, in November of 2019, so I'm still a relatively new uh, member of the team here. Um, but uh, I'm a Cincinnatian, born and raised. Um, uh, um, you know, the question that always comes up, where'd you go to high school? I went to Walnut Hills, we'll just get that out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, let's see, uh, for, um, I've always really been interested in um, the public sector and, mm-hmm. and governmental work because it has such an opportunity to um, have a real impact on the day-to-day lives of folks in a very positive way. Um, so uh, very early on, I had a, a wonderful teacher, um, a U.S. history and government teacher. Her name's Harriet Russell, and uh, she uh, required and encouraged us to um, volunteer for a political campaign, and um, that was my first exposure to um, how all of this works. Um, and I learned how was, how was that experience working? Oh, it's fantastic. Campaign? I mean, you know, it's knocking on doors and putting up yard signs and all the all the um, stuff that comes with you know building a, a grassroots campaign. Did that kind of drive you to want to work in local government? Uh, it certainly piqued my interest. Uh, very early in my career, I was very interested in the political side of things. But um, after having been in it for a little while, I, I realized that, the work that I really wanted to do is on the administrative side, um, more on the policy side. So, um, so that's actually when I, I, I made the switch uh, and went and got a uh, master's in public administration in, in public finance from Indiana University and um, been off and running ever since. Awesome, awesome. Um, what's uh, your career timeline now? You mentioned more, like what were you doing before you worked at Coleraine Township? Sure. So, um, uh, so after grad school, my first uh, job was with uh, an organization called the Government Finance Officers Association in Chicago uh, in their research and consulting center. It's sort of their think tank for their um, members, uh, which are folks that work in state and local government um, uh, budgeting and accounting and uh, treasury management, uh, debt management, um, the, the full spectrum of, of public finance. Um, and we work with um, our, our member organizations to help them address whatever challenges they were, that they were facing that they didn't have you know, the, the, the horsepower in-house or the staffing levels to be able to take on whatever the challenge was. And we'd help to advise them on you know, the best path forward. So um, did that for several years and then was recruited home um, to uh, join a new team that the city of Cincinnati was launching um, in, uh, in the city manager's office, a new economic development effort. Um, and uh, I served in various capacities uh, in, in economic development for the city for 
a little over 11 years. Um, then after that, went into uh, the private sector for a while in commercial real estate development. Did that for a few years, and um, and uh, like I said, a little over a year and a half ago, came to Coleraine to be the finance director. So. Now, can you tell me a little bit more about the finance director role sure. in local government? Sure. So it does vary some from one jurisdiction to, an, to another. You know, working for um, a township is a little different from working for uh, a village or a small city or, for that matter, you know, a major city. Um, there's a different operating framework under state law. Um, but overall, the the the... the important thing is to make sure that public resources are spent, invested, and used uh, in a way that is legal, that's consistent with the direction that has been provided by the board, and in a manner that is transparent to the public so that we um, are doing what we're supposed to be doing, for starters, but also that uh, we make it clear to uh, to the public, the folks who are actually sourcing um, uh, all of these efforts, that they have confidence that, that they're um, that their tax dollars are being invested wisely and um, uh, correctly. Now, you uh, mentioned tax uh, dollars, and I think, you know, taxpayers, there's a lot of uh, misconceptions when it comes to city budgets and finances. What do you think is one of the largest uh, misunderstandings or misconceptions when it comes to uh, your role and just city government's um, budget? Oh, that's a great question. Unfortunately, I think the biggest misconception is a just a, a lack of conception. I think that mm -hmm. so much of the time that we devote to thinking about you know government is um, dominated by what happens at the federal level and that not nearly enough attention is paid to what happens at the local level. I mean there's so much that happens um, at the local level in terms of the impact on a citizen's daily life, um, it's, it's just so incredibly important and it probably receives the least attention um, of the, the three levels of government. Um, so so I, I, that, that's my first thought on mm -hmm. that. Um, but in terms of misconceptions, I think um, a lot of local governments are sort of operating on a shoestring. And um, uh, I think there is a perception out there that um, many local governments are flush with staff and that we've got folks that are sitting around with their feet up and that you know there's there's a um somehow um that you know you certainly hear stories about some folks in the public sector here and there who aren't um uh, aren't acting as they should mm -hmm. um, but that is such a rare occur occurrence and in a place like a township um, that is especially lean from a staffing standpoint. There just isn't any room for that. We need all hands on deck going 100% every day if we're going to be able to do what we need to do. Um, so I, I, I hope that um, I hope that I hope that folks realize that. Now, for anybody listening, you mentioned uh, a lot of people ignore the local level. Mm -hmm. What is your suggestion if somebody's listening right now and it's like, hey, I want to get more involved in the community? What can they do? Uh, what would you suggest to be the first step? Sure. So uh, we work extremely hard to um, communicate in as many formats as possible what it is um, that, that we're doing um, with our strategic planning and budgeting process here, um, which is part of why we're together here today, which mm -hmm. is fantastic. I'm so glad that we're able to do this, Corey. It, um, 
um, I, I think probably the, the, the best place to start is to, um, to go to our website. It's chlorine.org. Um, and there are just a mountain of documents that um, folks can take a look at. But there's also some interactive tools um, that we've created in collaboration with a group called OpenGov um, that allow you to get a sense of um, how, um, how funds come into the township and how those funds are invested. Um, we also have uh, published on our website, it's our uh, strategic plan and budget, um, which lays all of that out in a uh, slightly different format. Um, so I think that's a great place to start. Um, and then um, there'll be an opportunity with this upcoming budget process, which we are just starting now, um, for citizens to come and um, come to uh, uh, you know, public meetings and share what they think are, are the most uh, important priorities for the township. Um, and we. Uh, uh, take all of that in and use that to inform the recommendations that we make to the administrator and that the administrator ultimately makes to the board uh, for uh, the 2022 budget. So, um, so yeah, I think taking a little bit of time to get acquainted with uh, what's going on right now and then being an active participant in the 2022 process would be a great thing. I agree. I also, I'm glad that you mentioned OpenGov because it is a wonderful website. I'm the uh, intern here and I've been putting in data and it's really it's helpful it's uh, interactive I think a lot of people should definitely check it out uh, what is the process a city must go through to create a budget you mentioned it earlier the uh, 21 2022 mm -hmm. um, what is the process that a city must go through to create a budget mm -hmm. could you walk us through the steps sure so there are the things that we have to do and there are the things that we choose to do mm -hmm. um, the and I'll talk about them both so um, the budget process kicks off with um, something called the tax budget, which is um, an exercise in analyzing what our fund balances are anticipated to be at the end of 2021 and the revenue that we expect to raise in 2022. And that gives us the first look at what our revenue picture is for the year. Um, at least in terms of that 2022 budget cycle. We're always planning five years out um, through our long-term financial plan, which I think we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, um, so, but that's, that's called the tax budget, and there's actually a public hearing coming up um, next Tuesday on that. That's the first step in the budget process. Um, and then we go through a process of um, citizen engagement to try to understand what the priorities are from the um, members of the community. Uh, and then after that, um, the, um, the leadership team uh, here at the township on the administrative side uh, will get together and will actually um, go off-site for a couple of days and get away from the day-to-day -day and really try to think about where we are um, uh, as, as departments and then also where we are as an organization overall and where it is that we want to be um, at the end of 2022, and that is the very beginning of um, the uh, update to the strategic plan. So there'll be several themes uh, that that come out of that that are um, uh, that are incorporated into the departmental budget requests, and then um, there is a prioritization process because inevitably there are going to be more needs and more things that we want to do in order to be able to serve the public than resources that we have uh, to be able to put toward that. 
Um, so there'll be a prioritization process that happens with the senior leadership team in the administration, and um, and um, that is what ultimately uh, goes forward to the board for uh, their consideration. Now you uh, mentioned the board. Is that who approved the budget and strategic plan for that, Coloring Township? Right. Yes. Yes. And I should add that um, uh, that our board is. Um, in constant contact with the administrator about what their priorities are and um, what they would like to see um, in upcoming budgets. Um, so that certainly informs the process as well. How is a, a local government budget different from a state and federal budget? I think most people know that um, the federal government doesn't have to have a balanced budget, right. but uh, local and state governments do. Uh, but outside of that, what are the major differences between local and federal and federal or um, state? Sure. So um, for uh, for our township, um, the scope of services that we provide, which are pretty significant for a township, but compared to the scope of services that, that would be provided by, say, Hamilton County or the state of Ohio or on the federal level, um, is much more limited. Um, uh, we, um, and the number of resources that we're able to raise is much more limited. And to your point, we uh, have to um, balance our budget every year. So um, that definitely is a, a, a big difference. Um, what is probably the biggest difference between a budget for, say, Colerain versus Cincinnati mm -hmm. um, is that um, Colerain doesn't control the major utilities that serve the township um, on an everyday basis. So, you know, the Greater Cincinnati Waterworks is, um, you know, obviously a, a separate entity um, outside of the control of the Board of Trustees. Uh, and it's the same deal with the Metropolitan Sewer, Sewer District and stormwater management and, and all of that. So those are huge portions of local government that really don't, I think, get as much attention as, as, as they should because they're such critical services and, um, uh, and they're doing an awful lot of stuff. And you know, the rates that, that folks pay in order to do an awful lot of that stuff are, are significant. Um, so, um, but those are things that are you know completely outside of um, the, the the budgeting that the that the township does. Now, earlier you brought up uh, a strategic plan. What exactly is a strategic plan? So, one of the things that uh, impressed me the most when I was looking at joining the organization is this strategic planning process. A lot of folks talk about doing a strategic plan, mm -hmm. and maybe they'll actually engage in a process, and then that goes in a book and it sits on a shelf. And then maybe five years later, they pull it out and they go through the same exercise, and nothing really happens. Mm -hmm. In Colerain, it's a totally different uh, approach. So um, there is, um, similar to the budget process, there's an effort to um, generate as much um, feedback and input as possible as to priorities. And um, then those priorities turn into um, the themes for that strategic plan this year. Those themes, <clears throat> excuse me, are clean, green, and prosperous. Um, and we can get into those in a little more detail if you'd like. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, so from those themes come a series of strategic initiatives. And those initiatives are how are we going to accomplish those 
strategic goals. And then from those initiatives, there's a um, series of um, milestones that are planned to achieve each of the initiatives and the initiatives then feed up to the goals. And most importantly, the budget is tied to those initiatives. So it's not as if, I've, I've heard some jurisdictions say, you know, it would be great to be able to do all the things that we want to do, but we're so stuck doing the things that we have to do that there isn't any money left to do what we want to do. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not the approach here. There certainly are things that we have to do, and we do them. Um, but um, we, we don't let that stand in the way of accomplishing what it is that we want to do as an organization. And I should add that each of those goals and initiatives and milestones um, this is all, you know, a, a, a written process where it comes down to like the individual level in terms of who's going to be responsible, who's going to be accountable, who's going to be consulted, who is um, going to be involved in all of this. And this all feeds up into a process where the leadership team meets and we go through each of these initiatives and when they're due and it keeps us on task. It's, it's a form of internal accountability. And if all of that goes the way that it's supposed to, then at the end of the year, we can report back to the board that we uh, moved the needle on each of their priorities for that budget cycle um, and, and then uh, gear up to do it all again the following year. Now, how often are strategic plans updated? You mentioned five. Is that typically what Colerain does? So we, we adjust the strategic plan every year. Um, we also have a long-term financial planning process, which is a five-year cycle. Um, the, the thing I think that, that, that um, we may look toward in the future is trying to have um, strategic goals that have um, a longer window than just a year, because there are so many things that we tackle as an organization where the problem didn't just appear overnight. And the solution to the problem won't be achieved overnight or in just a year. Um, these are often things that are generational um, or that, you know, at least should be or could be thought of in, you know, multiple years or even a decade in order to get from where we are to where it is that we want to be. Um, but for now, we're doing it on an, an, on an annual basis. Can you tell me more about Colerain's current strategic plan and uh, what has been accomplished so far sure. in the current plan? Sure. So, um, as I mentioned, the themes for this year are clean, green, and prosperous. And what that actually means, um, I'll get to here in, in a little more detail, but there are six strategic goals for the township for 2021. Um, one is the, the prosperous piece that I mentioned, and that is to increase the focus on economic development and township prosperity. Um, the other is uh, the, the green, which is to engage the new economy with green initiatives. Um, and the third is the clean piece, which is a focus on um, uh, cleaning up litter and dumping and, and dealing with some of the um, chronic issues associated with that. Um, and then some of the more stuff that's more internally focused, but also very important, um, managing the township's finances responsibly while improving financial policies and processes. Uh, the fifth strategic goal is to continue to provide high quality safety services. And the sixth goal is to continuously improve the operations of the township. 
so those are the goals. Mm -hmm. And off of those goals um, come the initiatives, and then off of that, the milestones that lead to the accomplishment of the initiative and, um, and so on. Now, how do uh, citizens have a voice in the process? Um, what kind of impact can they make on the strategic plan and budget? So um, last year was, was weird because mm -hmm. of COVID. Um, our ability to engage the public in the manner that we would like to uh, was limited. Uh, we did some, some online surveys um, in an effort to kind of take the pulse of the community, um, but there's only so far that you can get with an online survey. Um, I expect that with this budget cycle, we will be um, uh, much more um, focused on um, engaging the public, uh, trying to have a constructive dialogue around um, uh, what they would like to see us do, um, what they would like to see us do better, and maybe there are some things that we've been doing that really don't matter all that much to them, and we should take a look at not doing those anymore. So, um, um, so stay tuned. Um, there'll be a, um, announcements coming up um, about when and where uh, those events will be taking place. Um, um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I would encourage everybody to uh, to get involved because um, in order for us to do a good job serving the public, um, it really helps to know what it is they uh, most want to see out of their local government. Now, there is no budget without money. Could you tell me some of the major sources of revenue for Coleraine Township? Of course. So, um, the uh, by far, the largest um, source of revenue for the township is property tax. Uh, that is a little over 54% of um, all of our revenue. Um, so, those are uh, levies um, that have um, a particular purpose. Um, so our police district operates off of a levy. Um, our fire district offer, operates off of um, a levy. And thank you to the voters for their approval of um, the levy uh, uh, last November. Um, that was pretty important for us to be able to maintain continuity of operations. So we're, we're grateful for that. Um, and um, then there are other levies um, that are, it's called inside millage, but it, it, those are levies that go toward um, things like um, like our, our general fund for uh, general operations of the township. So um, that's by far our biggest source of revenue. Um, our second biggest source, which is a little over 15% of all of our revenue, is something that gets bundled into a bucket called licenses, permits, and fees, which sounds very... Um, Yes, very official, very <laughs> accounty, or accounting, uh, accounting speak rather than, you know, what, what does that actually mean? So um, that includes um, cable franchise fees that the cable providers pay uh, uh, to the township for the use of the right-of-way. That's just under $680,000 in the last budget. Um, there are also um, solid waste fees um, that are um, uh, paid by Rumkey uh, as a function of the landfill that is... Um, almost 1.4 million a year. Um, then there's also um, the uh, payments as a result of the uh, 2015 uh, consent decree with Rumkey, and that's 1.25 million per year. Um, our EMS services uh, for every time um, our folks go out on an ambulance run, um, that, that generates fees um, 
a little over 1.4 million in the most recent budget. Um, and then the police uh, department raises revenues and um, it's a little over 200,000. And then there's you know building permit fees and, and vacant building registration fees and, and those um, come in at about 165,000 a year. So that's our, our second biggest bucket. Um, the third is, um, th that bucket is called intergovernmental. So it's primarily um, uh, funds that we receive from the state through the county. Um, and that is for um, things like state grants and gas tax, motor vehicle license tax, and things along that line. Um, um, so that's our, our third largest bucket. And, and then after that, it, it starts to get into some pretty small buckets. So big picture, those are, those are the you know, top three sources. What are some of the major expenses for the township? Sure. So um, like any organization, and especially an organization that's focused on service delivery, our biggest expense by far uh, is our people. Um, we have roughly 250 people uh, that, that work for the township, um, the lion's share of whom are in our fire service and in our police department. Um, and um, between, uh, um, and, the, and those salary costs are, uh, it's 44% of, of all the money that we spend as a township. Um, and then on top of that, um, the um, um, fringe benefits, healthcare, and things along that line uh, that, that we offer to, um, uh, to our employees is another 17% of um, everything that um, uh, everything that we spend. So what is that? That's 61% you know, of the total budget uh, is, is our people. Um, and that's not unusual. Um, um, and, and, but it is a you know, significant portion of our budget. Could you tell me what a capital budget is and a capital improvement plan is? Sure. So this is something that's new to Coleraine. Um, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. The, um, um, in the past, our practice has been to include our capital expenses um, in our operating budget. And um, every jurisdiction has a slightly different definition of what a capital expense is. But generally, it's 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 a building, it's a vehicle, it's something that is um, that is a thing that has an extended useful life. Um, so the definition that our board approved as part of the last budget um, is that uh, a, a capital item must be a physical object that has value and is able to be resold. And you'd be amazed all the nuances that we get into about what is capital and what isn't. Um, but the second criteria is that it will have an uh, anticipated useful life of at least five years and that the direct cost of that individual item uh, must be in excess of $10,000. Mm -hmm. um, the, the whole idea of having a capital budget is um, that these are big ticket items and highlighting them um, so that the public and the board can see those items um, and, um, yeah, and, and really deliberate over whether or not that's an investment that they want to make. Um, 
is one of the primary functions of a of a capital budget. Uh, we want to make sure that these that these you know major investments don't kind of get caught up in everything else that's in the budget. And it's a thick document, and um, sometimes um, you know things can get kind of get lost in 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 that. Um, so the idea is with the capital budget is to call attention to that. Um, and one thing that many jurisdictions do and that the township has done in the past in order to um, pay for long-lived capital uh, assets is to, um, to issue debt, uh, to pay, the, pay for those costs for two reasons. One, since they're such big ticket items, they're usually pretty hard to digest in any one given year. Um, two, uh, um, it would often take multiple years to try to save up to be able to pay for a big ticket item like that. Um, and generally, the need is far more urgent than waiting for one, two, three, four, or more budget cycles to be able to save up to pay for something. Uh, third um, is a concept in public finance where um, if you're going to have, just for example, um, a ladder truck, and the ladder truck is going to last, uh, don't quote me on this, but let's say 15 years, um, um, it makes sense um, in terms of an equity argument that the people who are paying for that service through their taxes um, would be the ones who, um, that th you would set it up so that over the 15 year lifespan, there's um, folks who are paying in um, for that service versus paying for it all in one year and then everybody who's uh, uh, receiving that service for the next 14 years is mm -hmm. sort of getting it, you know, quote unquote, for free. Um, so um, that's another um, rationale for the use of debt um, uh, to finance capital assets. So anyway, that's, that's a kind of a long-winded explanation for why it is that we decided to pull these capital items out and really highlight them in the last budget. Um, and that's something that we're continuing to build on in um, uh, the 2022 cycle um, with um, the facility master plan um, that is just getting underway where we're going to evaluate um, the condition and the utility of um, every building that is owned by the township so that we have a sense of um, where things are going well, where things are well past time for replacement, and we're able to um, prioritize those um, so that we address the greatest needs first rather than um, just kind of trying to go by our gut about what that is. Um, so having a plan in place to, to make sure that everything gets addressed in time, over time, um, is, is the whole point of that master plan. So we're pretty excited about that. Now you mentioned earlier about investments. Uh, could you tell me about any investments that are currently uh, being uh, enacted in the strategic plan? So, um, sure. So we have a big focus on, um, on um, sidewalks. Uh, the um, you know, sidewalks weren't really part of the development pattern for, for the township as it, as it grew up over time. And um, that makes it, in some cases, a little dangerous um, to walk in some portions of the township. And one of the things that we're trying to do is um, uh, address that. 
and um, where you're doing that through capital budget, through um, outside sources, um, and through um, some of our TIF projects um, to try to kind of rate that wrong and make it possible for folks to be able to uh, find their way around the township without having to get in their car. Um, so that, that, that's a big one. Um, we are also um, taking a look at um, opportunities to replace um, um, some of our, our facilities that are um, woefully insufficient. Um, uh, we've got a, a fire station um, that is, you know, the, the firefighters are stacked on top of each other and there isn't room to be able to fit the equipment that they have into the bays and it's, 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 it's not an ideal setup by any stretch of the imagination. So, um, so we are looking at options and possibilities for the replacement of that firehouse. Um, and, and then there's other stuff that is um, part of our capital budget that is, um, you know, it's just the day-to-day the, the -day kind of thing in terms of, you know, fleet replacement and things along that line for our police cruisers and, and that kind of thing. So um, that sort of gives you a flavor of what it is that we're, we're, um, that we're highlighting through the capital budget. What is your favorite part of the budget uh, and strategic plan making process? So I think I touched on this earlier, but I really am so impressed with how tightly connected the strategic plan and the budget are. I mean, it's one document and that's great, but even <laughs> I've seen all sorts of budgets that have the strategic plan and the budget in the same document and you know, it's lip service, it's, it's not a real thing. And the only way, to my mind at least, that um, an organization is going to m accomplish its goals is if there is that tight connection. Um, so, um, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's a unique thing. Um, and and um, I'm really, really glad the township has committed to taking on all the work that goes into that kind of planning and that that um, and then holding itself accountable for the outcomes to to meet those objectives. Now you mentioned earlier about the long-term goals of the township. Can mm -hmm. you tell me a few of those? Sure. So I'm gonna put you know be Mr. Finance Director here. Um, so one of our goals is to continue to be um, a very sound, stable township from a financial standpoint. Um, we're very fortunate with um, the revenue base that we have being so dependent on property tax that we didn't go through a lot of the difficulties that other local governments did, um, um, in particular um, the city of Cincinnati, where they are um, highly dependent on an earnings tax. And when you know, the economy creators and um, individual earnings and, um, and corporate earnings um, go way down. They, they feel that, they feel it very hard and they feel it immediately. And since we are much more um, dependent on the property tax, we did not suffer that, um, that steep cliff. Um, so, um, so that's great. Um, the, um, the other thing that we're trying to do with our long-term financial plan is to make sure that the um, 
agreements that we're entering into that have a life of several years, um, probably most importantly, our collective bargaining agreements with the, with the three, four unions that, um, um, that are, make up a portion of our workforce. Um, we need to make sure that, um, that we have the resources in each of the levies um, over time to be able to, um, to live up to what we agree to contractually. Um, so that's another function of the um, long-term financial planning process. And um, also over time with this facilities master plan and some of the work that we're doing in terms of um, planning out um, uh, where we are with our fleet, um, that will feed into the long-term financial plan as well so that we have a sense of um, where we are in terms of uh, resources that are available and um, what our need is. What is a fund and what is the purpose of one? Oh, <laughs> so yeah, very much an accounting question. Um, so there are multiple kinds of funds and the types of funds differ depending on what kind of um, local government you are. The vast majority of the funds for the township are special revenue funds meaning that the revenue is raised from a specific source and can only be used for that source. Um, we, we also have a general fund, which is sort of a, um, a, a general government, um, general operations kind of fund, but the vast majority of our funds are special revenue funds. Uh, could you tell me about the levy cycle? What is it and how does it work exactly? Sure, it's weird. So, um, Typically, a, um, a levy cycle will run for five years. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, this could be kind of hard to do without charts and graphs, but let's see if we can get there. So typically, a levy cycle is five years. And um, when a levy is approved by the voters, the levy is to raise a um, specific amount of money. It, it, so you know, there's a misconception out there that um, that as um, property values go up or down, that that impacts how much people pay for, example, the fire levy that was approved last fall. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not the case. So mm -hmm. if there's a change in valuation, then the millage will be increased or decreased in order to raise that same amount of money over the term of the levy. So at the beginning of a levy, um, in, order, in order for things to work in year five of the levy, then the money that is raised in year one of the levy has to um, exceed the amount that's actually needed. It's counterintuitive, but um, the reason is because expenses are going to continue to increase over that five-year period. And somewhere in there, um, depending on how well expenses are managed, those expenses are going to exceed the amount that is raised by the levy and in order to be able to have consistent operations, then the money that was raised in the early years of the levy that wasn't needed right away gets drawn down from that fund in order to um, pay those expenses when our expenses has, have exceeded the amount raised by the levy. It's called a bow tie effect. I mean, if you, if you think about it as a chart, if there's just a uh, a flat line that's your revenue, and then you've got a line that is increasing 
um, over that five-year period, eventually those two lines cross. And when they cross, that's when the bow tie effect kicks in and the money that was raised in the um, in that first part of the levy is needed in order to cover expenses in the back part of the levy. And of course, we do everything that we can to bring in additional sources, um, grants and things along that line, to try to extend the life of the levy. But generally speaking, they're, um, they are sized to work in um, five-year increments. Could you talk about the TIF district? What sure. is that abbreviated? What is TIF? Yes, so uh, TIF is tax increment financing. And it is an economic development tool that a lot of local governments use in order to pay for investments in um, public improvements that, um, in theory, catalyze um, private investment. And as a result, it grows the tax base for the community and provides amenities that you know otherwise wouldn't be there, and, and allows for you know ongoing investment in the community that otherwise would not happen because the private investment on its own. Um, can't foot the bill for the stuff that has to happen in their development and then also in the public realm to support that development. The way the math works is that um, when a um, TIF district is created, there's sort of a moment in time that is frozen and the property valuation that is in place at that point um, and the way that the property tax is distributed up to that moment in time um, continues for the life of the TIF. So the existing status quo continues. When, to th when the project is done, then the auditor will come in and assess the, the property and the value is going to go up, often you know, mul mul multiple fold. Um, and what happens with that new increment, that's the increment in tax increment, what happens with that new increment is that instead of it being distributed the way that it would if it were just regular property tax, it is instead put toward um, uh, public improvements. Uh, in some cases, it's sidewalks. In some cases, it's um, you know, uh, water sewer eligible. Um, you can do things like structured parking, and it's it's um, uh, it's it's a pretty useful tool. Um, uh, so basically, anything that is in the public domain can be eligible for for uh, TIF, and certainly anything that's in the right of way. Um, so the idea is um, that those revenues are invested in order for that project to move forward, um, and um, and at the end of the day. Um, We've got a great new project that contributes to the community from a, um, um, you know, just a quality of life standpoint, but one also that um, contributes more to the community from um, a financial standpoint as well. Could you tell me a little bit about the Grossbeck uh, Strategic Investment Plan and also the Coleraine Ave Streetscape Improvement Plan? Ah, okay. So um, the um, the Grossbeck Plan is just getting underway. Um, it is similar to um, the um, plan that uh, was completed for Northbrook, I'm going to say a, year, a couple years ago. Um, so the idea is to do a neighborhood scale, neighborhood based plan about where that community wants to be in three years, five years, ten years, and what methods, what strategies could be used to get there. 
um, and then that will be the plan uh, that the community uses and that the administration uses and that the township uses um, to um, to try to advance the interests of, of the community. Um, so that's just getting started. Uh, a lot more to come on that. Um, the what was the other one? The, the Coleraine? Coleraine Avenue streetscape ah, improvement okay. plan. Sure. Um, so we are in the early stages of um, of implementation of a project from Shady Crest to John Rose along Coleraine Avenue. Um, Coleraine Avenue, which is 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 um, controlled by the Ohio Department of Transportation. Um, mm -hmm. So everything that happens in that corridor, we need to do in partnership with them. And they control the lion's share of the resources uh, that can be invested in that corridor. Um, so we are doing that. We are, we are deeply engaged with them. Um, and these pro these projects, um, uh, you know, the, the lifespan is in, in years rather than months. Uh, but we are in the, the planning phases for that. And there should be uh, more to come in the months ahead. Um, uh, so stay tuned on that one, too. There's a lot of talk in the media about debt, especially when it comes to government debt. Mm -hmm. How is Coleraine doing when it comes to debt? Uh, we're in great shape. So um, uh, we have a little bit of debt um, that we took on recently in order to do some street reconstruction um, through the Ohio Public Works Commission. Um, that's, that's good debt. It's, you know, it's interest-free, um, which is the best kind. Um, uh, so we were able to make uh, three different projects um, that uh, I want to say they use were in 2018, I think, was when the work was actually done. Um, so we have a little bit of debt uh, on the books for, for that. Um, we have some capital leases um, that uh, we use to finance some of our, our fleet. Um, and, um, and we are in the last year of paying off the debt for um, uh, for a number of facilities um, that um, that the fire service equipment for the fire service some of the um, the building up at uh, we call it 4160 where public services and fire are uh, it's where our fleet maintenance is and, and a number of other functions um, uh, there's some debt on that um, but the point is that um, this is debt that is got some age on it and we are in our last year of uh, servicing that debt um, so in terms of debt that is um, a pledge of it's a general obligation pledge a pledge of the full faith and credit of the township to repay it um, we will be essentially debt-free in that context uh, at the end of this budget cycle well thank you Jeff for uh, joining us today uh, now, before we leave, uh, do you have a summer reading book, uh, something you've been reading you should suggest to the listeners? Oh, um, well, I don't know. I'm kind of a public policy dork, so I'm not sure that other folks would want to read this. But um, right now, I just started a book. It's called 99% Invisible, which is all about um, sort of the, the, the world of infrastructure around us that we don't notice in our day-to-day -day lives, but so much of it is um, um, either really interesting uh, in terms of how it came to be, or it's incredibly necessary, um, uh, important stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm just getting started on that one, but so far it's been really interesting. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Hey Colerain. Please subscribe to the show on the podcast platform you listen to so you don't miss an episode. Also, give Colerain Township a like on Facebook, which is a great place to learn about the latest happenings in our community. You can also visit us at colerain.org. On behalf of everybody at Colerain Township, this has been Corey Foister. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.